It's Sunday morning. Time for the Great Outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, back from the coast of Maine. And right into the breaking news of the day. The United States Department of Interior announced that the Trump administration's mandate under Secretary of Interior Ryan Zinke that hunting be included in the federal duck stamp drawing is now Reversed, the headline reads very quickly, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced a Trump-era order that required the artists to include waterfowl hunting heritage imagery in their duck stamp submissions to be reversed. And I have to say that I, for one, am absolutely applauding this. You may recall when this was brought up three years ago, I went on the air with Carrie Luft of the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, as well as others, to say that this was a ill-conceived, short-sighted, and actually damaging effort by an, by an administration that very much was pro-hunting and supportive of, of sportsmen and women's rights to undermine the integrity of the federal duck stamp program, which has been Financially, the single most successful and important program in the history of conservation, waterfowl and wetlands conservation in America. Uh, many of the pro-hunting organizations thought it was great that it be mandated that a hunting scene be put into the federal duck stamp. However, they found out that they were not necessarily speaking for their members as an incredible number of sportsmen and women who waterfowl hunt in, in America did not like the idea of requiring a hunting scene to be on the duck stamp and did not think it was the right image because we want to broaden the appeal of the federal duck stamp and not restrict it to those who just hunt. We need all Americans to embrace the federal duck stamp program where 90 cents, 98 cents on every dollar goes directly to habitat acquisition or easements uh, for, for wetlands. And so this has been a controversial issue since the day Ryan Zinke, who, of course, left the Department of Interior in less than, um, well, in less than the highest esteem by many people. He had an early departure uh, during the Trump administration. This has now been released as one of the very first acts of the Biden administration when it comes to our natural resources. And, and I, for one, applaud it. No one is more fond of waterfowl hunting than I am. I believe the federal duck stamp program is a great success and it will be a better success if we make the federal duck stamp image truly an image that appeals to a broad constituency across America and that is indicative of saying saving wetlands is not about hunting. If we save wetlands, we will have plenty of waterfowl to hunt. But if we only try to save them for waterfowl, 
we will not have enough wetlands to waterfowl hunt. Very simple. It's black and white. So the Biden administration, which uh, deserves a lot of credit on this, it's been a tough week for them in a lot of ways. This is not a political show, so I'm certainly not talking about that. But the Department of Interior and the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service got it right. Uh, getting rid of the mandate that there be a hunting image in the duck stamp. It'll take place next year. This year's stamp obviously is already in play. Uh, next year, uh, it'll be back to artists. They can put any scene they want. They can have a hunting scene in the duck stamp. The other thing that happened was the number of artists that drew uh, artwork to be considered for the federal duck stamp program declined significantly with the mandate that a hunting scene be included. There are many spectacular waterfowl artists who do not include hunting scenes in their paintings. Perhaps the most notable is the famed artist, David Moss, who arguably has few equals when it comes to painting waterfowl. You're not gonna find hunting scenes in a David Moss painting. And he's won the Federal Duck Stamp program, Federal Duck Stamp many times. Just not something he does. So artists who paint wildlife and paint incredible imagery were not excited about putting a duck stamp, not putting about a hunting scene in the duck stamp. So that's behind us. Hopefully it never surfaces again. And hopefully, really, truly, we can come together and realize that the federal duck stamp program is the greatest conservation success story for wetlands conservation in America and all water dependent birds. And let's broaden the appeal of the federal duck stamp and have as many people as possible embrace it and want to support it. I think this reversal of the mandate does that. Moving on, it is that time of the year. When I speak to you next Sunday morning, we will be into September. We will have already opened many of the bird seasons across North America. Particularly, we will have opened the dove season. The Migratory Bird Treaty Act permits hunting to begin on September 1st of every year. Doves season in Illinois and across most of the country, at least the northern part of the country, began on what will begin on Wednesday, September 1st. And it, it signals for many of us the changing of the calendar, the putting away of fishing rods and hiking gear and maybe other summer pursuits where we pick up our shotguns and we look at our perhaps overweight and underworked dog, which has been laying around for, for many months looking for something to do. And we say, let's go dove hunting. Uh, a couple thoughts before, uh, before I go to break. Um, and I say this, I, I've had Doug James of Donnybrook Kennel on the air numerous times talking about this. There is nothing more cruel or dangerous to your hunting dog than to take him or her out on September 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th, it doesn't matter, when the weather is hot and they haven't been working and they're not in shape and expect them to perform in the hunting field. And in fact, in many cases, expect them actually to survive. The uh, number of dogs that die from heat exposure and lack of water during dove hunting is, is the single largest uh, period of peril for hunting dogs of any kind, any time of the year. I unfortunately 
watched my lab many years ago nearly die. I was hunting in a public hunting area uh, west of Chicago for doves. It was the opening day of the season. It was hot. My dog was six years old, and uh, I just assumed he was ready to go. He was excited. And after about the sixth or seventh dove he brought in, he went wobbly with his legs. He looked up at me. His eyes rolled, and he collapsed to the ground and laid there. And I ran as fast as I could uh, to the uh, warden station, which was probably 200 yards away. And quickly, we filled uh, buckets of water and jumped at that point in time. This is a number of years ago. Four-wheelers were not something that people had. We jumped into the warden's truck with the pails of water in the back and raced through the dove field right in front of all the hunters got out and threw the cold water on my dog, which basically put him into shock. And then we rubbed his loins uh, with, with cold water and a cold washcloth. And fortunately, my lab did not perish. But he was super close to dying of heat stroke. It happens so fast. It happens especially with dark labs or black coats. So I can just offer that with dove season opening on Wednesday and the weather's going to be warm, no matter where you're listening, be careful with your dog. There's, unless you've been working it regularly all summer long in the heat, uh, it is not in the kind of shape it needs to be to go running around a dove field where there's no water. And even if there is water, there probably isn't enough. So if you take a dog in the field with you, make sure. You keep it in the shade. Don't have it go make retrieves that it doesn't need to make that you can make. Keep it near water. And if for any reason your dog appears to be overheating, immediately get cold water. And the place to put the cold water is along inside of the hind legs of the dog. And also you want to put the cold water under their throat but it's behind their hind legs where their body will cool down the fastest. So I hope you don't have to do that, but please, we all love our dogs. They're our best companions and dove season because of the time of the year it starts, we often find them unprepared. When I come back in a moment, I'm gonna talk about Yellowstone Park, in fact, all of our national parks, and a record-breaking year for them, something that uh, is now two years in a row, uh, and, and what this might mean for the future. Thanks so much for listening. You're listening to Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert, sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are, communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology, tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. 
So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you very much for being with me. And as I went to break, uh, I was talking about what it's like to duck, dove hunt with dogs in early September and how careful we need to be. Um, I, I do want to say, obviously, that hunting with a dog and, and dove hunting is, can, can, is the best conservation tool you have. Often the cover is thick. It's hard to find birds. Doves don't give off a lot of scent. So for those of you who are experienced with your dogs in the hunting field, you probably know what to do. And for those of you who aren't, just be careful um, and, and don't let them get overheated and, 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 and be too strenuous. The other thing that, of course, happens with the rolling of fall is that our calendars change and we begin to, to march to a different tune, and that's the tune of the north wind and migrations and for fishing and musky in particular. It's, it's, it's weather patterns, and the fish instinctively begin to eat more and become much more active. Uh, so one of the things this fall that some people are able to do, which they were not last year, is they're able to go to Canada, and they're able to look for trophy muskies in Canada. I understand, while I have not been across the border, I've, I've heard of people who've waited up to seven hours to go across the border, and I've heard of others who had no problem. I think the issue is where you cross the border, and to some extent, what time of the day you cross the border. Uh, Canada is open. Uh, if you've been vaccinated and uh, the reports are from people who've been able to go and fish, well, the fishing's pretty darn good because almost nobody's fished for fish uh, in nearly two summers. Uh, one thing where people are going is Yellowstone National Park. A headline caught me this week, and I used to live in Billings, Montana, and Yellowstone was, was frankly our playground. We go to Yellowstone Lake frequently in the summer and launch our boat, one of the most dangerous boating lakes anywhere in the world because the water is is terribly cold in the in the high 30s low 40s mid 40s and very windy but yellowstone park was was my playground for a number of years uh not anymore the headline read over one million individuals visitors came to yellowstone park in the month of july this past summer there were years when there were not a million visitors to Yellowstone Park in its entirety that I can remember. And yet we had over a million in the month of July alone. Our national parks across America in this COVID era are seeing visitation unlike anything that's ever been experienced. And we are woefully, woefully unprepared for this. I've talked to park rangers at Yellowstone and Yosemite and Glacier and people who know rangers and have experienced them, Tetons, uh, they're overrun. And, and the parks were not meant for a million people. Yellowstone Park was not meant for a million people to come and see it in the month of July. The lines, the crowds, you can't enjoy things. You want to go see Old Faithful, uh, start two or three days early. I'm exaggerating, but not really. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's it's wonderful that we are loving our national parks and we want to experience our national parks 
And it's terrible that we have to experience them in the kind of conditions we are with such overcrowding and traffic. And yes, it's true, and it's always been true. If you're willing to get a couple hundred yards from the road, you have a national park all to yourself. Hiking in Yellowstone, yes, there are lots of bears. you got to be careful. But hiking in Yellowstone still is a solitary experience. Literally, go just go two, three hundred yards from a road in, in most of our national parks, and you're alone on a stream. You're alone on a trail. Getting to those places is the difficulty. So I, I wonder what's coming. Uh, we know that the physical condition of many of the roads and structures, hotels, all these things that we rely on our national parks are, are, are not in good shape. There's been a backlog of maintenance for, for decades now, uh, actually a generation or more, uh, and as far as decay, um, geothermal, the roads in Yellowstone are, you know, in a very active area, so they collapse a lot. Um, there's a lot of geothermal activity, hot springs, which make it hard on roads. Uh, but anyway, America's loving its national parks like we never have. And perhaps, as we talk about things like the infrastructure bill and these 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 budgets and these numbers that that certainly I I don't understand the amount of money maybe we can if we're going to do this and we truly want to do something for America maybe we can spend some of that money in our national parks and our infrastructure our national forests and making them making them something that indeed is ready for the masses of people that are coming. And I don't think this is an aberration. Those people I know in the business don't think it's an aberration. America has fallen in love again with its national parks and they want to go see them. And we want to see them in, in, in numbers that are just simply unprecedented. Next week, I'm going to start off by talking a little about the steelhead run and also Asian carp and something that's pretty interesting that we might be able to do to maybe begin to control some of the Asian park populations. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the show. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.